today on CityCast Denver. It's Overdose Awareness Day, and I'm talking to my friend Lisa Rayville, Executive Director of the Harm Reduction Action Center, a place in Denver that works with people who inject drugs. Today is Tuesday, August 31st, 2021. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. I met Lisa a few years ago when I found myself in a position where I really needed help from the Harm Reduction Action Center. And to be clear, Lisa's place is not a rehab clinic. Her staff isn't trying to get people into recovery. But rather, it's a place where people can get clean needles, get connected to services like Medicaid, or even just charge their phones, get a cup of coffee, and hang out. Hi, Lisa. Welcome to CityCast Denver. Oh, Bree, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. I know. It feels like forever. I know. (laughs) So fatal drug overdose deaths increased by 38% in Colorado from 2019 to 2020. And that's the largest increase year over year in the state since 2000. I think this was a report from Colorado Newsline. So what exactly is causing that huge spike? Because I know that since fentanyl has entered the scene, it's caused a lot of problems. And fentanyl is this extremely concentrated and dangerous synthetic opioid. Yep. Yep. So fentanyl is getting cut and we're finding it in Denver. We're finding it in heroin, meth, most recently cocaine and in pills. So we have a very unpredictable and toxic drug supply. When you make something illegal and you push it underground and it's not regulated, then of course you don't know what's in it. So every single time folks who are using uh, those drugs currently uh, because of prohibition and because we don't have a regulated and safe drug supply, uh, it puts them at higher risk of overdosing. We have that percentage increase in Colorado. We had a 64% increase in drug-related deaths in Denver from 2019 to 2020. So I think we had the perfect storm. COVID's been a problem, but obviously we've been increasing in drug overdose deaths and drug-related deaths since forever. Uh, But, you know, any period of abstinence puts folks at higher risk of overdosing. So folks potentially relapsing over the past year and a half. Using alone puts you at higher risk of overdosing because there's no one there to recognize and respond. And fentanyl, fentanyl's big been in Denver for the last couple of years, but really hardcore for the last year and a half. So it was like the perfect trifecta for 2020. And then as far as we understand, according to the medical examiner's office in Denver and uh, data nerds with the state, 2021 is not looking any better. And we believe it. We put eight pictures on our overdose memorial wall just last week of folks that we found out have passed away. We're losing folks left and right. I'm sorry. Thank you. I'm griefy. I bet. I bet. Because these are folks you and that's you. These are folks you interact with every day. And this is what I'm I'm thinking of the human experience perspective of this problem. So the folks that are coming into the harm reduction action center who you um, refer to as your participants, Mm -hmm. what are your participants telling you about their current experience right now? Well, 82% of our folks are unhoused or transitionally housed upon intake. So a lot of my folks have been uh, affected by the sweeps around town. You know, I I need them to be together because I need them to have Narcan to save each other's life in the event of an opioid overdose. Um, We've also found that, you know, folks coming in are exhausted from saving each other's lives because, you know, in June of this year, we had the most overdose reversals with access to naloxone done by our participants 
ever in agency history of the nine years we've had access in uh, Denver. And they're just exhausted, right? They're saving each other's lives left and right. They're trying to push forward. Um, you know, COVID's been a problem for folks. They're trying to survive outside. The sweeps aren't helping. And we have an unpredictable and toxic drug supply. So, and we're, we're losing people we know, love and serve. And so, you know, sometimes when they leave the door, sometimes I shout after it, love you, just because mm -hmm. like, I need them to know that I, I don't know if I'm going to see them again. And so that's why, you know, my tone oftentimes can be angry, but it also, I feel like equates grief, because I know we can be doing the different things. And I know that overdoses are preventable. And sometimes decision makers are patting me on the head and being like, this is awful. What should we do? And I tell them and they're like, well, not that. <laughs> <laughs> right. So <laughs> I don't want that. That's not vanilla enough for my constituents. And I'm like, your constituents are dying. Yeah. What are you telling them that is not being received? We have got to take injecting and drug use out of the public sphere and put it into a controlled environment. And they're called overdose prevention sites. But most of what the Colorado State Legislature for drug use wants to do is very vanilla and safe. And I think if we're even going to plateau in this overdose crisis, which we haven't plateaued yet, <clears throat> I think if we plateau, we have to be innovative and we have to be talking about evidence-based interventions. So I'm talking about overdose prevention sites. And quite frankly, I'm talking about going after the supply of drugs and going for a safe supply, which would be pharmaceutical grade heroin, pharmaceutical grade stimulants. Uh, safe supply is actually happening in seven countries. Um, we have safe supply already in Denver, already in Colorado, and already in the United States. It's called alcohol. If people were dying of unregulated beers, <laughs> right. people would storm the Capitol, right? This right. drug exceptionalism, I'm all done with that. So really having those conversations, but a lot of, you know, a lot of decision makers aren't drug policy reformers. So, you know, we're really trying to be supportive too for those folks that are trying to, you know, campaign. I mean, of course, I've got an election year next year. <laughs> of course <laughs> yes. I do. Oh, of course. <laughs> of course I do. Um, so, you know, really talking to those folks that are going to campaign and try to run as well, because I need them to have really good information because the United States has never done a very good job talking about drug use. Right. The war on right. drug users has been incredibly racist and classist since forever, but especially since 1971, when the war on drug users was declared by President Nixon. Then we had just say no. Then we had dare. Right. So we've never had a really good conversation because so people can't talk about it because their tummies hurt. Like we have got to talk pragmatically about drug use and how we can push forward for a safer and healthier community. So I and I know you've been working on this for a long time and I feel like a couple of years ago there was some movement towards a safe injection site or you're saying a safe uh, overdose prevention site in Denver. Um, it sort of fizzled out what or, or what's what's going on with that in Denver right now? Thank you so much for asking. So uh, it stalled at the state legislature, quite frankly. I have, I have a I have a Senate problem. <laughs> Don't we, we all have a Senate problem. Don't we all, babe? <laughs> Don't we all? Uh, so, yeah. So it was 
So we had had legislation in early 2018 in the state legislature that was sent to the kill committee and the kill committee kills bills. Right. And so mm-hmm. what we found out from there on February 14th, 2018 was who would even want this? What city would even want this? So we woke up on February 15th, 2018 and pivoted to Denver. We know that, you know, Denver City Council a lot of times gets those calls about public injecting. You know, we know businesses are really struggling. We have a business coalition of 50 businesses that are like, I'm tired of being a bathroom monitor. We have churches that are like, we have to shut the doors and lock them because we're afraid people are going to overdose in our bathrooms. So we passed the nuisance exemption in November 2018 to give that nod to legislators in early 2019. A city wants this. We want to try something different. We want to be innovative. We want to save people's lives. And it stalled in 2019. We never really thought anything would happen in 2020, which was an election year. 2021 was our year. And it didn't happen. So then I've got an election year next year. So it's like, how many more people have to die before we can try something different and innovative and evidence-based? I've got a ton of data, how it, you know, increases public safety. It reduces public disorder. It saves people's lives. It reduces, you know, skin tissue infections. It, I, it saves cost payer money. I'm not asking for any money from taxpayers. Like it's perfection and I'm having problems as you can imagine. And so I'm griefy about it. Yeah. So I'm talking to you today in particular because it's Overdose Awareness Day. What does this day mean for the work that you do? So this is my best and worst day of the year. It's my best day because I get to grieve publicly with other people. I've been uh, very griefy the last couple years, uh, as you can imagine. And a lot of times you have to push that down and continue to do the work. And, and this is the day where moms come out. This is the day that service providers come out. And this is the day we get to be with people who use drugs, who have continued to lose people in the community that we all loved, right? Everybody was somebody, someone. Uh, so it's my worst day because I have to publicly grieve mm. <laughs> those that we've lost and still try to have people pay attention to us and stop screaming into the void. And, you know, we're action-oriented people. People are dying. I have the data to prove it, and I need to be doing something different. And so, you know, it's just, I I love this day and I hate this day all in the same, all in the same token. (laughs) So I've, I've known you for many years, Lisa, and something that really strikes me is that you are, you just don't, you don't give up. In the face of having to to represent this case over and over again for why people should live. Um, you just don't give up. What drives you to do this work? Well, harm reductionists are fighters, always have been, always will be. And it's I, I have the luxury of spending my days with people who use drugs and most of whom are unhoused. And there's so much life that happens in here that I can't, I can't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. people I know love and serve are dying of preventable overdoses and it it doesn't have to be like this and so a lot of times you know my mornings are spent in direct service my afternoons are spent um, some people think I'm an advocate others think I'm a nag uh, uh, around town but you know really making sure that people understand what's happening and how we can be supportive now also there's so many people that this intersects with uh, and so many people that have had these issues in their lives harm reduction action center for the larger community a lot of times is a dirty little secret right? We're there when no one else is there for you. We're there when people are being super hateful to you. And we're like, nope, you're not going to talk to us like that over here. We love you. And we're glad you're here. And we're glad you're alive. 
Yeah. I mean, I've told you this many times, but that's how I met you myself was I walked into Harm Reduction Action Center with um, a family member mm-hmm. who was using um, injecting drugs. And I said, I don't, I, someone told me to come here. I need help. <laughs> yep. And you were like, welcome. Yep. I'm glad Have you're here. Have some coffee. Hang yep. out. Absolutely. I'm glad you're here. And I remember telling your family member, I'm glad you're alive. And yeah. I think your family member is still alive, if I remember correctly. He's, and Yep. He's yep. still alive. Awesome. That's so. That's why we do this work, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I just, I hate that it took me that experience to get involved in this way. Um, but I, I feel like for folks that don't know that they're impacted in some way, someone they know around them is being impacted by this and they just maybe don't know yet. Absolutely. And they're listening to how you speak about people who use drugs. They're watching you on social media. They're seeing you in the comments of a Denver Post story. (laughs) Don't read the comments, but if you do, (laughs) uh, you know, like people are really paying attention. And and what the mother's movement nationally of mothers, you know, there's a lot of mothers who've lost their adult children to overdose. Their big thing is, is nobody brings a casserole to mothers when their kid dies of an overdose. So there's such a larger stigma and shame around that. There's so much community trauma. And part of me is like, I don't want this to affect you for you to care. You know, I don't, I don't want somebody to die before you're like, this totally makes sense. It's like, no, we can be having really good conversations today. And so a lot of what, you know, my work is, is obviously first and foremost, prioritizing people who use drugs and serving them, but also it feels, it's part of my job to, to one by one talk with folks and make sure they understand what we're doing. And the harm reduction movement is one, one person by one person. Well, and you make such a great point, um, if there's something that every one of us could do today, it would be really pay attention to how we talk about drug use and people who use drugs. Absolutely. And, you know, those, you know, if you got those drinkers that are talking about heroin users, it's like, well, hold on, hold on, honey bear. <laughs> Let, yeah. Okay. So yours is legal and it's a safe supply and you can feel confident and you can buy it in a store. Cool, cool, cool. Don't be hateful how someone else is self medicating. And I, I mean, as a person in recovery for alcohol, there's such a privilege in the conversations you're allowed to have about it. Like it's, oh, it's okay for me to say, you know what, I'm in recovery. I've been sober for 15 years. Um, it's more rare that you hear someone say that about uh, heroin or, or meth or, you know what I mean? It's, it's stigmatized in a way that it's like, oh, you're separate from us in recovery totally. over here. Totally. This is acceptable recovery. Yeah. You're not. So for someone listening to the show today who's never been involved in harm reduction or like is we're saying is maybe someone who thinks, oh, I'm not impacted by, by, this, by this epidemic, by this crisis, what can someone do today to support the work that, that the Harm Reduction Action Center does, but in general, how can we support uh, folks in Denver who inject drugs. I appreciate that. So we are on the Google and social media. And so if you want to follow us at Harm Reduction Action Center, try to figure out kind of what we're doing and push that out. Start conversations with people you know and love, because there's a lot of people who are then going to feel much more supported by you, knowing that you are a harm reductionist and you just want them to be safer and healthier. If you walk on earth, which you do in Denver, I need you carrying Narcan or Naloxone. It's safe and highly effective and safe somebody's life in the event of an opioid overdose. Most 
pharmacies you can walk into today and get access to, virt to it virtually over the counter. Most major insurances cover it. You just have to pay your copay. And the great part is you can administer these to somebody and it doesn't do anything to them if they happen to not be overdosing. Correct. You can't use it wrong, right. <laughs> which, is, which is just so great. There's no wrong way. <laughs> There's no wrong way. Absolutely. Lisa, thank you so much for joining me today. Bree, thank you so much. And for the CityCast Denver uh, followers, I know, you know, there's some big dogs that are probably listening. So call me. <laughs> call. Give Lisa at Harm Reduction Action Center a call. Call me, maybe. <laughs> That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us, rate the show wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye-bye. Lisa loves the bloopers. <laughs> she was like, I listen all the way for the bloopers. I'm like, that's so cute. <laughs>